Father God, we just thank you for once again just being in this building with us, Father. It's just amazing to see this place so full of, so full of life, just like Mark said. Fill the, filling the seats and filling it with your spirit, Father. We just thank you. Thank you for being here. And Father, I just pray that as Jason gets ready to bring this message, that you would just use him as a vessel, Father, that you would throw him aside and just let him speak the words that you gave him to speak today, Father. And I just pray that people's lives and hearts and minds are changed by what happens here today, Father. You're so amazing and you're so, so beautiful, God. And Father, we just, uh, we just can't even begin to tell you how grateful we are for the breath in our lungs, for the lives that we have, for the many blessings that you give to us, Father. So Father, we just, we praise you again. We thank you. We just ask that everything that happens here today brings glory and honor to you, Father, because this is all about you. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Can you hear me? I'm putting this on after we sing because I guarantee you, you didn't want me mic'd up during praise and worship. I told Chio, I was like, that's scary to have me un- unmuted at all. So, uh, man, it's good to hear you guys today. And uh, I, I was sitting talking to Mark and I was like, man, there's a whole different pulse and a whole different just atmosphere in life today than the last two times I was here. And... Uh, if you know me, I've always got show and tell, so I'm going to put this out while we're talking. But um, while I'm setting that up, Mark and I were talking while we were there, and I'm speaking about spiritual gifts, and John Paul kind of gave me the idea, and I ran with it. And uh, Mark's like, man, standing in front of people would sure make me sweaty and wasn't in my wheelhouse. And I told him, yeah, growing up, when they sang happy birthday to me, I hid under the table. Being in front of people is not my cup of tea. Um, one-on-one with people, in the pastures, all right, in my offices, all right. Um, but God calls us to do things that's not necessarily what we want to do. It's what he wants to do, and he can do something with it. Um, and I want to talk about that today as, uh, as we talk about it. And I've got a question for you guys, and um, I've got a plan for this. Who, I'm talking about spiritual gifts. Um, and uh, throughout this week, as I studied... I got more and more confused, and there's tons and tons of Scripture on spiritual gifts. And um, God kind of smacked me right between the eyes yesterday as I was pushing calves and said, that's what Satan wants us to believe. He wants us to be confused. He wants us to think there's too much. Um, And so I I simplified things, and I'm going to get back to that. But I want to ask you a question. Who knows their spiritual gift? Okay, keep your hands up. Who does not know their spiritual gift? Everyone in this room should have their hands raised to one of them. God makes it really, really, really clear. There's no, there's no spectators in this game. There's no spectators. As Christians and coming to church, we all have a place. And um, I'm going to relate it to a tack room and a Brandon pot. But the only reason we don't know what our spiritual gifts is if we don't want to know. Um, and I may get myself in trouble with this, but God can do more with an average human being that their heart's in the right spot than a crazy talented unbeliever god can do more with the bronc with the heart of god than he can around a horse that's heartless that's the truth we've got to be one there and i'm standing in front of you i'm an average white fella that as we were talking that i'm just i'm pretty glad to be walking side by side with him i'm pretty glad um to be with him and uh in james 1 
verse 5. Um, I'll talk about that in a second, but I tell you where it really got a hold of me yesterday is we were working a set of calves, and I came off a horse Friday night and landed on the ground pretty hard, and I was able to stand back up. And then yesterday we worked, worked a set of calves, and almost every one of them had scours. And I've never been more happy to be kicked and beat up in the shins and to be pooped on all day than I've ever been. Because last spring I was barely good enough to walk around the chute and I was just trying to exist to maybe give an earshot. And I was able to push calves all day yesterday. And it just put my mind in a different perspective as it's pretty stinking good. It applies to the church as calves with scours too. Not about the people, but there's jobs that aren't very fun. And there's jobs that are fun. They all have to be done. None of them are more important than others. But where it comes down to is, I'm going to go back to my original question. It says, do we know our spiritual gift or not? And, and this applies to about everything. In James 1, 5, it says, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. It's that simple. It just says, if you want to know, if you've got a question, ask him. And he will, be gl- he will gladly tell you. He will not resent you asking. But this is really important. When you ask, be sure you're really ready to expect the answer he is going to give you. Because I can tell you, Mark and I, I don't know if we really asked him or not, but he put us in front of people. Um, He's going to put you in places you don't want to be because he knows you better than you. There's a song on the radio now that says, I am who you say I am. It's not who we say we are. It's who he says we are. Um, And that rings pretty, pretty true. I did a little research, and it says spiritual gift. Spiritual gift is the God-given capacity of every Christian to carry out the function in the body of Christ. And I want to repeat, there is no bystanders in this game. Um, And I know in every church, there's people that want to sit around, or there's people that are like, man, I don't have any gifts. There's people all over the place that don't think they're there. In Ephesians, and I'm not going to read this. You can pull it up if you want. Ephesians 4, 16, it says, and I'm going to Hillman version this. It says, the whole Bible has to work together to function right. And I'd never read that scripture until um, my past year and a half or so. And and it talked about, and I want to be an example of that. Um, It says, the whole body has to function right to thrive. And it took me back to when I was sitting in a wheelchair and I couldn't feel anything from here down. My arms worked harder because my legs didn't. My upper body compensated for my, my other body. But even at churches, the whole body has got to function right because I can walk up and down these stairs and I'm doing amazing. But my left leg's weaker than my right leg. So my right side and my upper body compensate for my left side. So externally, I look like I'm functioning really well and I'm not complaining. But there's parts of my body that I have to work harder to function from my numb leg and numb foot from here down. I'm glad to have that numb foot. But I'm going to wear out my right knee before I wear out my left knee. There's some things like that. I want you to, to get past the physical aspect of that. Every church can't have a numb spot. The right side can't overwork the left side. The upper body can't work the, the bottom side. The church has to work together. Anyone ridden a horse that's been in, it's cross-firing? It's wanting to ride? How's that feel? It's horrible. feels like a washboard going down the road. Your horse needs to be, pick up the right lead and stay in the right lead until you pick him up to the left lead or whatever you need to do because you're fighting against each other. Okay? So I want you guys to think the church can't be out of sync. And that's where I started today, man. This, this church feels in sync. 
But if everyone in here is doing a better part of it, because a little part can't do everything. A big part can do a little bit of everything, and you got a big picture. So if everyone in here mans up and does what they need to and we get into the spiritual gifts, man, where's this church going? And I don't know, but it's pretty amazing. And um, as I was talking to John Paul, and I really, really, really wanted to wear a sweater, sweater vest today, um, but I couldn't find one. So maybe next time. I got to thinking, I love tack. Who, who has been in a tack room? Some tack rooms are organized. Some tack rooms are not organized. What's in a tack room? Tack. Give me specifics. I brought some today. Um, I like tack. My wife tells me I like tack maybe a little bit too much. This is a bit. It's stamped Wiggins. Um, I've got another one that's stamped K. Curry. Um, what else is in your tack room? What's your prized possession in your tack room? Wood. Okay. This is probably the first thing I pull out of my tack room. What is it? It's a halter. Is it more important than this? It's more... <laughs> No, this is more expensive than this, but this is the first thing I use. This is not less valuable than this in the using world, right? What else is in the tack room? Pull the saddle pad. There's saddles. What else? I'm listening. Huh? Curry comb, hoof picks, medicine. Um, I'm not sure what all's in my tack room because I've got a four and a six-year-old boy. So some of it goes out, some of it comes in, and we try and keep it organized. Spurs, lariat, dirt, okay. Absolutely. What else is really important? And this saddle. What else is really important for a, a, a tack room that we probably take for granted every day? Organized. What about the tack room itself? What's the tack room do? Protect the tack. I don't know. I don't imagine anyone, and I'm not asking for hands, so don't tell me. But you don't hang your tack outside. You don't hang it on the fence. You don't leave it on the back of the pickup all year round and grab it because it weathers. It tears it down. And and cowboys, we've got pride in our tack. So I'm going to take that a little step farther, but in in the spiritual gifts, every piece of tack in that tack room has its place. No matter how big, how little, how expensive, how cheap, whatever it is, it's got its place. But I could go buy the most expensive handmade bit and the best bridle and the best range and that type of stuff if I don't take care of it, if I don't keep it in my tack room. I'm saying I don't value it. So I've got to figure out what works for the horse I'm riding, but also I've got to figure out what I like, but then I've got to take care of it. And the Bible speaks really, really clear that we've got to know our spiritual gifts. But then we've got to use them. Um, I read a deal, and it said it, it, it equated our spiritual gifts to like a bank account. We've got to know what's in the bank account. We've got to work to make the bank account bigger. But we've got to use it wisely. And where they are equating that to, and, and then I think every church I've been a part of, is sometimes we want to try and have 5 million bank accounts that have 5 bucks in them. Instead of two or three that have more money in them. And what I'm saying is there's a lot of people usually in the church, but usually a really, really small handful wants to do everything. 
or ends up doing everything. So they grumble about the chores they're doing or the, uh, the jobs they're doing. And then there's people that don't know what their spot is in the church and the whole body's not working together. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about churches as a whole. And that's, that's a part of the spiritual gifts is we've got to know what we're good at and we've got to go do it. But we've also got to know what we're not good at and to go follow people. Doesn't mean we can't help, but it means we're not the person to lead. We're not the person to go do that. But also, what happens to tack if you use it a lot? Even if you keep it in your tack room and you do everything good with it and you take good care of it, at some point it gets wore out. This church has got young people and this church has got wore out people. That's the way it needs to be. The wore out people need to be mentoring the young people and the young people need to be encouraging the wore out people. Right? Spiritual gift wise, when we get wore out and I'm feeling wore out a lot faster than I want to be, We've got to mentor people, but that stair step and it's pretty good life. I like sitting and watching all the young faces here. Their smiles before they left and all the kids, man, that's a lot of life in church. And how many adults have said, man, if I could have an ounce of their energy. I say that a lot with my four and six-year-old. My four-year-old sang for 25 minutes straight without taking a breath. Praise and worship songs, I think. Most of them were. And he pretended his Bible was a hymnal from freedom to Moreland. And he was just had a smile on his face and he was in his own world. But we complicate things in the spiritual gifts. I say all that and I'm going to get to Romans chapter 12. Um, because the devil doesn't come out as blatant all the time. Satan will come at us and say, you know what? I'm going to tell you you have too many gifts or you got too many of this or I'm going to lay on your heart you need to do this job. When it comes down to that James, if we just ask God, he'll make it really clear. I tell you, I'm not very talented at anything other than I'm really thick scold. That's probably my biggest spiritual gift. In my battle with breaking my back, that was my biggest spiritual gift. And then I had a huge, huge God that wanted to heal me, and I had a huge support system, but I, I didn't want to believe the doctors. I wasn't smart enough to believe the doctors, and then I had people kicking me in the tail saying, you know what, you got this. And I had that talk with my boys this morning. I'm not a good singer. I'm not a good speaker. I do not like to read in front of people. I get to shaking and feel like I'm back in preschool, and um, I didn't do very good the first two years I went to preschool. Um, so, and then that's the truth. I did not like school. So that's it. But God puts us in places, and, and I want to try and make you guys feel uncomfortable in a good way today. Of uh, It's time to man up, it's time to climb on, and it's time to go. we got to nod our head and go do something. Because I don't know anybody in here, but we don't like the people that sit on the fence and tell you how to do anything and that don't do anything. Man, that's irritating. And there's lots of sayers in the world, but we need doers. And in Romans 12, it, um, it talks about the spiritual gifts. And, and going back to Satan... He wants us to make us too busy because I don't know about you. When I broke my back, this was probably one of the biggest blessings is we, didn't, we had more time to do things than we had things to do time. Because I was in a wheelchair, we slowed down. We had more quality time. We had better time at church. We slowed down and really focused on priorities. The healthier I got, the busier we've gotten. And Satan wants to throw that at us because then we become too busy that we don't have time to do that. And that's an excuse for all of us. And then we throw in it. That, man, I can't do that, I do that, or we try and do it, but I do uh, a half-hearted job at something, and I was like, man, I've done it, but I haven't done it to the best of my ability. Well, if we slow down and, and figure out what our spiritual gift is, we can do an awful good job at it. And even if we're uncomfortable with it, Mark did an outstanding job standing up here, and he seemed pretty calm, cool, and collected. How long is it taking you to get there, Mark? 
about nine months. Sitting up here, it's like, man, it seems pretty simple. It's not. I was nervous, nervous as could be just to put this little thing. I actually had to have help. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, man, this isn't it. But this, God puts us in places. The first time God really got me out of my comfort zone with a spiritual gift is he said, you know what? You're going to lead praise and worship in Croatia on a 10-day mission trip that we were teaching English as a second language. I'm still struggling to get English as my first. And then I was leading praise and worship with another Jason, and I'm like, man, God, you don't know what you're doing. Obviously, he did, and he's like, what he put on me, and this seems really rude, but it's not. He's like, Jason, you just go show your heart. These people don't know what you're saying. They didn't know English. We were teaching them English as a second language. Most of them didn't know it, but they judged my, lang- they judged my body language. They judged my willingness, and that's where I was saying God can do more with a bronc with a willing heart than a bridal horse that's heartless. Because God can do anything with any of us that are willing to do something and regretting enough to go do it. He doesn't need us to go. Just like yesterday, I was really, really, really happy to be covered in calf scours and, and have my shins beat up. Because when I was done at the end of the day, it means I was strong enough, I could push some calves. I had the balance enough, I could stand behind some calves, and I could feel it. And that never crossed my mind until I was paralyzed from here down that how great it was to get kicked in the shins. Um, and last spring, I didn't think that was possible. I'd tell you it was. I was pretty good at telling everyone, man, things are good. Man, things are great now. I can feel it. And I walked up, and I've got a welt on some of my shins, and I was like, it's good. God doesn't call us to have over-the-top spiritual gifts. God calls us to go do what he's given us. And there's a difference between spiritual gifts and natural ability because everyone's got some sort of natural ability. Not everyone's got... You have to have the heart. Every, God gives everyone the Holy Spirit gifts. But they've got to come together. We can't do it on our natural ability. I'm not walking because of my ability and my thick scoldness. I'm walking because God let me move, and I was stupid enough to not believe the doctors. As it talks in Romans, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be li- living holy sacrifices, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, Is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how God and how God how good and pleasing the perfect will of God really is. And then I'm going to jump down to verse six. Um, And in verse six, it says, "God has given each of you the ability to do certain things well." So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak. When you have the faith, God is speaking through you. If your gift is serving others, serve. If, you, if it's to teach, do a good job teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have the money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility serious. And if he's given you the gift of showing kindness, do it with gladness. And I want to stop right there for just a second. All those are pretty general. But a point that was made to me today is if I've always thought, you know what, I don't have a lot of money. God doesn't care how much money we have. He doesn't care. He said, you know what, the spiritual gift is here. He said, if, if, you, if you've got money, share it. But the spiritual gift is some people have the spiritual gift of making money. That's their gift. Then do the right thing with it. So if it's working hard and you've got a job and you're prosperous financially and you can give it to the church, you can give to the needy, 
A lot of times we want to focus on, man, I've got to have a lot of money, and the money is my gift. The money's not the gift. It's how you got the money or what you do with it or if it's teaching. Do we have any teachers in here? That's a job that it's tough, and you've got to have patience. But just think how many little minds and little hearts you've got in front of you every day. Or if it's one of it's this, if you've got the ability of kindness, do it gladly. We can all be nice, can't we? None of these are hard, but it takes self-discipline. We've got to go put them in practice, and we've got to have our heart right with God. One of the first things, and I'm going to break it down, we ask a colt to do is move its feet. All we want to do is to move his feet forward, and if we go left, left, right, right, but more importantly, we just want to go forward, and we don't want him to buck us off. That's a gift we're asking for the colt, just that he's got a good mind, and there's a lot of work to get into it. That's all, that's all God's asking us to do. When he, when he steps on and he kisses us forward, he just wants us to move. He'll show us where we need to go. He'll take every bit of tack in our tack room. He'll throw it on us, and he'll go do a job with us if we don't fight him, if we don't get on the muscle, if we don't do that, if we say, all right, I'm going to lick my lips, I'm going to drop my head, and I'm just going to go. If it's slow, if it's fast, there's a job for both. We've just got to be willing to do it. And I want to reiterate, there's no spectators. We've got to go out, and we've got to do it no matter where we're at. And it's easy to talk about it here. We've got to, when we leave this door, Wherever we go eat lunch or wherever we go to work or if you're saddled up and you go doctor in wheat pasture or Cinco de Mayo and you're three and one and there's people that are, um, if you're a flagger, I mean, and you're flagging somebody out and they're chewing on you, that's a time to shine. It doesn't mean we have to cower. It doesn't mean we have to be the whipping post, but we can be black and white and we can be blunt with the word of God and that can be a spiritual gift because every one of this is saying, you know what, we have to speak the truth. This Bible tells us the truth, and this, this Bible isn't candy-coated at all. This Bible's pretty blunt. And if we go to verse 9, it says, Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with a genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And verse 11 is probably my favorite, and I want you to hang on to this. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord with enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. We got a lot of, lot of lazy people in this world. And we got a lot of, there's a lot of excuses. If it's on social media, wherever it is, it doesn't matter where we're at. And I shared in my testimony, me having a broken back in the hospital didn't, God wasn't saying, all right, Jason, I feel sorry for you. It's an excuse. I took that and I ran with it for two or three weeks and thought, you know what? I'm going to broken back and I can't do anything. That was a load of baloney. I needed to get my head straight, and I needed to say, you know what? There's other people in this hospital that's hurting just like me, and they need to know Jesus. That's, I couldn't do anything physically, but I could sit and talk to you. I could share their hope, but also I could show them the hope of what Jesus gives us. That's a spiritual gift of just, you know, no matter how bad it gets, God's got us. Because in our spiritual gifts, it doesn't mean it's all going to be rainbows and unicorns. As my little boy calls manure, moo manure. Moo manure is always going to be thrown at us. We're going to be covered in it. And sometimes my boys were covered in scours yesterday in dirt, and they're like, whew, it's a good day, Dad. That's what you always say. The dirtier you are, the harder we worked. They played in a mud puddle all day, and then they came and pushed a few calves. But if we take that as the mentality of cowboys and cowgirls for the God, it doesn't matter if we're here on the band or if we're shaking hands or we're serving donuts or we're we're giving people mics. It doesn't matter where we're at. We all have our place to go. 
Well, all of our pastors are right. We all have our stuff to do. We've got to stick our nose in this Bible and not be lazy with it. Anybody been lazy before? How good's lazy feel? Sure. I tell you, one of the biggest butt chewings I gave my dad, and I've had to apologize several times, is he took one of my coat halters, stretched it on one of my studs, and made it work. And he was trying to help me. And it wasn't his fault at all. But they had parked me in a wheelchair on the porch. And I watched all this happen. And the more I watched, the lazier I felt. And the lazier I felt, the matter I got. And I'm like, you know what? That is dumb. Everyone should know that halter goes on a coat, not a stud. And I got into my dad, and it had nothing to do with my dad. I felt lazy. I felt like I wasn't doing my part because I couldn't get off the porch. Because wheelchairs are made for sidewalk, and we don't have sidewalk where I live. But I had to get my head straight, and you know what? And I had to recognize my dad was busting his tail to help me. My dad was doing everything in the world to help me, and I had to recognize my own faults. I had to recognize my own frustrations, and I had to recognize... I needed to suck it up at that point and just tell him thank you. It didn't matter what halter was on it, and it didn't matter if this, this much was left tied. He had it caught, and they were putting shoes on that horse. It was done. I'm telling you that because even for the, the mature Christians, we can get really frustrated if music doesn't go right or the mic doesn't work. Or we, I was joking around, and I'm like, man, Sheila is going to burn out a button up there keeping up with one of your songs. And I'm like, that's impressive. That can all get frustrating, but it doesn't matter. If we've got our spiritual gifts and we're trotting and we can follow our nose, God will finish us later. God will turn every one of us into a bridle horse or a bridle mule or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what we are. This book calls us to be it. Some of the horses that have probably have made me the most money on my place I've never ridden. They're brood mares that I've I've traded for and i've got one standing in the pen right now and i think she's produced like four hundred thousand dollars in barrel horses and head horses um between here and, and um wyoming and she had one of her colts made the american this year she is an old ugly looking sorrow horse but she has outproduced any blue roan mare i've got in the pasture outproduced anything whatsoever that i've got the best stud horse that i owned was um coaches boone his papers were not impressive at all but he had a lot of ability he had a lot of heart and he had a lot of want doesn't matter how we look. Doesn't matter how we talk. Doesn't matter if we know English really well and we've grown up average white folk or not. If we come to the Bible, God makes it really simple for us. We got to go because we're not guaranteed tomorrow, not in a doom and gloom way, but we don't know what's going to happen. And it's our responsibility as Christians if, if anybody leaves this church not knowing God, and something happens to them, man, it should rip our hearts out because we didn't take, do what we needed to. Because God puts us here to not to be lazy. He doesn't want us to be whipping boys either. He wants us to go work. Who's ridden a horse that loves their job? Isn't that fun? Man, when they want to work and they will run themselves in the ground just wanting to work. There's no better feeling than that because they want to work. They're gritty and they'll get after you. That's what God wants out of us. And those, get, those horses like their jobs because they know their gifts. They know what they're good at. They know they're needing to chase a calf or not chase a calf. I love, I, I, basically I ride ranchers, but if you ride into 200 pairs and you pick out a cow and a horse can lock on it and you can sort them out until you get them out of the herd and they go and they're not watching everything, that's a good feeling. And when you miss and that horse still locks on and they almost look back at you and think, come on, I'm doing my job, do yours. And you build another loop. 
God doesn't need us to catch every loop. God just needs us to try. He'll put us there. But that's no promise that we won't get bucked off. It's no promise that we won't get covered with and moon manure. Doesn't mean we won't get knocked on our face. It's a guarantee we're gonna fail. It's a guarantee stuff's gonna come at us. And uh, I want to end with First Corinthians twelve verse four through seven. And why she's pulling that up? I want you guys to think if you leave today, thinking, man, I do not know what my spiritual gift is. Get a hold of one of us. I want to help you. But this Bible makes it really simple because God doesn't call us to do things we don't like to do. We might not like to do it or we might not be comfortable the first, but he's going to get us there. He's going to teach us what we need to do. I don't like being diagnosed as a paraplegic. I don't know if Mark likes doing announcements, um, but I don't know if God really cares about what we like to do in our little heads. Because he knows what we love to do. He knows what we're good at. It's like every cult I've started loves to stand in a pen with other cults and eat. Not all of them want to start good. But usually most of them turn out good. With enough sweat. With enough work. And an understanding of this is where I'm going. This is a better life than to stand and be fat. We can go do a job. We've, we're wired to be lazy people. But if we'll go put our work in, God's got a better plan for us. God's got us a plan that, man, it's good if God can take us out and blow down, tie a yearling down, step off, work the rope, and do a job. And it's like, it doesn't matter if there's 100 people around or if you're the only cowboy in the pasture. That's a good feeling. Or if you can go and have enough money to buy a dozen donuts. And take them to someone that's just craving some donuts. And put a, put a smile on their face. One of the things I shared with you my sister did. And I will never forget it. Is when I was leaving the hospital. She bought me a Dory balloon from the cartoon. That was this big. And my sister got all the emotions in our DNA. And I didn't. And she's like you know what you need this Dory balloon. And I was like man that's dumb. But I smiled every time I came and had this ridiculously dumb big balloon fish. In my room. And then I gave it to another cowboy that broke his neck. And then he passed it on. I don't know if that balloon was a spiritual gift or not. But it shared the, G- the love of Jesus with a lot of people in Jim Thorpe. So don't downplay what God can do with silly things. In First Corinthians it says. Now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But it is in the same Holy Spirit. Who the source of them all. There are different kinds of services in the church. But it is the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives. But it is the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means to and help the entire church. And as I was standing getting covered in manure yesterday, I was thinking about my Brandon, Brandon pot, and we're dragging Kev's next Saturday. This Brandon pot does not care what irons are in it. It can keep two to three irons hot if I have the right source and I have my, my propane torch turned on. But if I'm dragging my calves, we call our brand Slide Nate. The only brand I want in there is Slide Nate because that's what we're doing that day. If I'm working Mark's cattle, he doesn't want the Slide Nate brand in that pot. He wants his brand. If you're working your cattle, he wants that brand. That brand is one source, and it will heat all the irons. But we've got to know what spiritual gifts. The iron in the pot is what gets hot, and that's what's seen. We've got to have the right iron 
in the pot. And I kind of where I want you to go is God will keep the pot hot. God will keep it where it needs to be. We got to do our part. We got to know when our irons need to be in the fire and when our irons need to not be in the fire and our no needs to be in this Bible. Because if we're, if we're not doing a part of the church and if it's like, you know what, the arena team's doing something, everyone else has got a job to do. It may be with that. If not, it may be, you know what, we're going to stick our nose in this book. And, and I was serious about me, me going to pre-K twice. And I think I went to kindergarten twice. I didn't, I didn't do well. Because I didn't like people at that point. I was really shy. And I struggled to read. But it didn't matter. God has a plan for all of us. But we can stick our nose in this Bible. And God, Satan wants us to use all of it as that, that laziness. Well, I don't want to read. It doesn't matter. If the arena team's doing something, pray for them. Lift them up. Do something. Find some scripture. Make your team better. And if you're leader of the team, figure out, you know what, am I old wore out tack? And I need to be bringing young tack up. Or do I need to have, I like handmade bits, and do I need to, what, what iron needs to be in the fire that we're hammering out to make a new bit? What is my spiritual gift? Because it makes it really clear to hear, no matter if we're a colt with 10 days on or we're a finished bridle horse within the church, it's all for the same church and it's all for the same God. Okay? We've all got a place. It, it, we don't have to speak. We don't have to sing. We don't have to play guitar. We don't, we don't. Don't get narrow-minded. I want you to step into this church, and I want you to, man, I, I, I don't know how many times a week I'm like, man, I, I don't know where Thousand Hills is going, but it's going. And it's not out of control. It's not under control in a, in a lifeless way. Man, you guys are going somewhere, not because of John Paul, not because of anybody in this church, but God's back in charge. Okay, and 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 I think I want to say that because I don't attend this church. I recognize this church, and I get to feel it because I can step in here, man. And, and I want to tell you guys that, and I'm not making you feel good. I'm speaking the truth. I want you guys to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Don't leave this church. But all this, I'll tell you, all this is worthless if your heart's not right. So if your heart's not right with God, and this is kind of stepping off the spiritual gifts, get it right. We'll pray for you. But if you're wondering, how do I have these spiritual gifts? You, the first thing you've got to do is just get your head right, and you've got to say, you know what, God? I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of running, or I'm tired of hiding. Get your heart right. That's really simple, and we can pray that prayer for you. Don't hide from it anymore. It doesn't mean life's going to be all easy, but it means it's going to be better. And one of those songs says, you know what? We've got eternity up there. We do. Nothing's promised other than that. God will bless us, and God will take care of us. It's not going to be better roses, but we do have eternal life. We've got to have that in our hearts before we can even focus on spiritual gifts. And I know John Paul preaches the simple truth, but I want to touch on that also because I, I want to do my part and I want to make sure my spiritual gifts are spot on. And I want you to get your heart right. And then I want you to jump in and I want you to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And I want you to take that diamond still and I want you to get your knife sharp. And I want you to jump into the branding pot and then I want you to start branding people with the love of Jesus. Okay? That's how we get to the nut cutting. And that's how we make the kingdom of Jesus big. All right? Pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. And uh, I just ask you to be with every one of our hearts and our minds. And just help us just, you know what, clear out the fluff. Get the manure out of our minds. Get the manure out of our hearts. And just, you know what, this Bible is really simple if we, if, we, if we don't stir the pot. And if we just sit down 
And we look at this Bible or we sit down with a mature Christian and say, you know what? I'm struggling today. Or, man, this is going on or I don't understand this or I feel worthless. That's okay. We've all been there. But I ask you this first of all, help us get our hearts right. If we've been a Christian forever and we've got just kind of lazy with that, help us refine it. Let's, let's get sharp. And if we haven't been a Christian, but we've strayed away, help us. It's all today. God's waiting for us. And just help us to get our heart right. And I just ask you just to break the hearts that need to be broken and just pick the hearts up that need to be put back together. And just um, just be clear with it, dear God, and help us. We're all, we're all in this same church and this same God. Thousand Hills and every other church around, if we're a Bible-believing, God-serving person, we're doing the same job for the same purpose for the same results and to be have eternity in heaven to see those those cattle on the thousand hills and help us just not to lose sight of that in our busyness and to slow down and just do everything we do for you and don't let a heart walk out of here today that's not revived by you and that just doesn't have a clear picture of the love that you want for us amen